LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel Lim. Hello, hello. And other members of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Is that, is that the way we say it now? <laughs> Everything is do-do-do-do for you. Maybe. <laughs> That's because I'm excited about it. Yes, and it you needs are excited. To be celebrated. Yeah. And heralded. We do. So if you've been listening for the last couple months, you've probably heard us talk about the Group Answers podcast multiple times. And over the past few months, we've been bringing on slowly the different hosts of the podcast from the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So we have Chris Surratt here. Hello. And Brian Daniel. It's all we talk about. If you listen to our show, it's all we, it's it's easy content because all we talk about is you guys. That's it. <laughs> Brian leads it. in with it and yep. exits with it. That's right. Yep. Just like Europe in concert, same song. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? That's awesome. I just feel like I'm I'm in a dream being on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Always been it's talking been a goal about of mine. it. For, for for weeks at least. It's like podcast for bucket weeks. list. It is. I, I mean, at least I for the last. Been on before. No. I thought you have been on before. And he's pointing to me. Yes. <laughs> the voice of Chris. If Surratt. you're not watching the video, <laughs> simulcast. Hello, Kentuckian. No, I, I, I've asked you several times to please have me, but no, you've never. Okay. Never allowed Maybe me. Maybe that's what he's remembering. I've stood outside the window and watched. <laughs> <laughs> Licking your lollipop. Who is like, that oh, guy? I wish I could be there. Please hey, actually, Chris. Me. Uh, we this morning I was recording some episodes with Ed for the New Churches Q and A podcast, and we were talking about you. Really? Yeah, we yeah. were talking about Chris Surratt because we were promoting the Group Answers podcast on the New Churches podcast, and then I was talking about Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. He's like, Chris Surratt, did you know? Did and he, you know, he goes into the whole. Yes. Did he say factoids. Surratt Mafia? Yes. Yeah. And he talked about Mary Surratt. I think I oh yeah, descendant yeah. of the Mary. Yeah, Mary that's a crazy story, man. Yeah. Okay. So where is it did true? The term Surratt, Surratt Mafia come from? Because nah. I thought that Say at least it. internally here, I had coined that, but maybe not. I hear that a lot about you, that you own a lot of things that you didn't actually <laughs> no. start. That's nice. No, I know. That That's was nice. somebody else on that, They are hosts. No, I, I actually think it goes back. Uh, there's a guy named Greg Ligon, which you probably yes. know from Leadership Network. He's the one that I remember first saying it, but then Ed picked it up at some point. And every time I've done something with Ed, he refers to he it. refers to it as the Surratt Mafia. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I thought it was the whole Mary Surratt thing and the conspiracy. Is it true? It is. Is Mary Surratt? Are you saying is it true that she's guilty or that no, I'm related to her? Is it true that you're related to her? I am. I am yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, a lot the of people might part, not know who that is. Watch the movie The Conspirator. It was directed by Robert Redford. Great movie. Um, what's her name? That was uh, Princess Bride. Um yeah, Robin her. Wright. Robin Wright played Mary Surratt. Mm. And uh, it's a good movie. All right. Well, don't pause the podcast to go watch that yet. <laughs> Today's going to be a great one. We're going to be going through our five leadership questions. So let's get started. All right. Chris, why don't you kick us off? Who are you learning from? That's good. Uh, a couple of books and people. Um, I th I'd say probably the one right now that I'm leaning the most into is a uh, pastor that we've had a couple times on our podcasts and also co-hosts another podcast, Robbie Gallaty, mm. uh, on the network. But um, yeah, Robbie is a, a great leader and he wrote a book called Growing Up. And in it, he kind of 
talks about the next step for discipleship, that three-on-one, four-on-one, beyond the community group, because community groups are great at community. And small groups, anytime you get into a home and it's eight to 12 people, you know, that's where community happens. But where does the accountability take place that you need, uh, you know, in your life and the spiritual disciplines and kind of that next step mm. and reading that book and then getting to know Robbie a little bit through the podcast and, and his, uh, you know, his messages uh, is really kind of, kind of helped me uh, coach churches on how to help people take that next step. So that's that's, that's a big one for me. And then also, we actually just read a book, and it was Brian's suggest, suggestion called The Trellis and the Vine um, oh, by a, a couple Australian, Australian guys. Love that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it really kind of stuck out to me. And, and the concept of it is the trellis is the structure, the programming that you build into your church, and then the vine is the ministry discipleship. And by default, my personality goes towards the trellis, the structure. Mm-hmm. I like working, you know, I, I love a whiteboard and I love drawing structures and that's just kind of where I go. And I forget about the vine and the ministry and I get cut off from it. So kind of leaning back into that book has been been really good over the last last few weeks. That's awesome. How about you, Brian? Oh man, I'm so much not the spiritual giant that Chris is. <laughs> so uh, we don't want to be like Chris when we all. Yeah, grow, well, so. I'm still working on that. You know, it's always it's always a process. You too can have a great 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 aunt who helped kill kill the president. <laughs> <laughs> I just that that does level the playing field a little, doesn't it? I just gotta say, you kill one president and you're branded for life. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it kind of goes with the territory. <laughs> That's hey, a great I'm line. instantly connected to the whole Hatfield McCoy thing, but that's a different time for a different subject. Another show, but we'll come back. Um, what you got? Oh, so uh, <laughs> that yeah, was awkward. Sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I've been reading. So uh, earlier in another life, I was in the Navy, and um, so I've we don't always believe in that. This. We don't believe in reincarnation here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about having the group answers podcast <laughs> on the network anymore. Feels, how about feels like another <laughs> okay, life? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and so I've got this fascination with military history, and so a lot of times when I'm in between like books that I'm reading more on assignments, so my role here has me reading a lot of you know uh, books about. Well, they're topically driven. They're things that we may develop resources out Mm. of. So a lot of times, like over Christmas, as we get closer to Christmas, I'll pick something out. And so I've been reading this book by Ian Toll called The um, Conquering Tide. And it's Mm. the second in a trilogy on the war in the Pacific. Okay. And so the guy that I've been learning the most about leadership in that book is Chester Nimitz. I don't know if that's a name that— Yeah. excuse me, rings any bells with you guys, but he took over the job of commander-in-chief of the entire Pacific War on December 7th, 1941. So he inherited an absolute mess. And in terms of leadership, you know, he he commanded two and a half million men and over a thousand ships wow. in a war, you know, when he, when he assumed command that was in shambles. And just six months later, they won the Battle of Midway. Hmm. And uh, it's fascinating. Just I, I think there's something about wartime leadership because every decision is so nuanced. Right. And you kind of see how things can pivot on even the smallest things. It's like, why are they fighting over Guadalcanal, this little jungle island in the middle of nowhere? Hmm. You know, what is the point of leverage there? Why are they focusing their attention there? What's going into it? You learn about the importance of logistics. And uh, I just I found that you can apply that to a lot of different things. So a guy like that, 
couple of, of you know, a couple of things that, I, that I've picked up from him is he found time to uh, exercise. Even, can you imagine? I mean, you know how busy we are. But in the middle of the war in the Pacific, he found time to swim, to hike, and play tennis. Relaxation, he listened to, like, wow. classical music. And uh, he never raised his voice by reputation. And he never, he you know, and this is the Navy, on. and never used, uh, <laughs> never used profanity. And yeah. yet he commanded this kind of thing. So wow. that's been pretty cool to read about him. The last book I read was called The TechWise Family by Ooh, yeah. Andy Crouch. Oh, we yeah, just we just had him on yesterday. Yeah. He told us he wasn't doing interviews. Come on, Andy. <laughs> well, oh, come on, man. Sorry. Your uh, grip answers is not quite on the level. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get but anyway, so you Whatever. that must have been really good. But he it uh, was really good. What I'm we sorry. what I picked up from there was um, you know, in terms of family leadership you know, to raise children that are wise and courageous was, yeah. I think, was one of the takeaways there. But yeah, that's a couple of people that I'm learning from right now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Good. And, you know, I remember, so in the last 24 hours, I was reading about the war in the Pacific as well. And so the the different types of training the different armies had. So it was interesting. They would say the reason why uh, America ultimately won was cross-training that their troops were better cross-trained, and whereas Japanese focused on specialization. That's one of the reasons, but it was really fascinating. Um, but that's for another day as well. What, 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 what book was that? Actually, it wasn't a book. Okay. As, as I started to um, think through that, I'm a sucker, man. And so the algorithm that Quora has developed is amazing because every day it's going to give me something in my inbox that I find Really fast. So you're a Quora guy. I'm a Quora okay. guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know that's so it was respectable. A Quora article. I, initially, I was like, "Uh oh, he's talking about clicking on stuff." Is it Buzzfeed? Are you on Buzzfeed? No, it wasn't Buzzfeed. <laughs> Did you find out guy. what kind of tree you would be? <laughs> 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 or which seventy sitcom? Buzzfeed. Yeah. Um, but oh, no, no, no. Uh, so about halfway through the question, I was like, "What book was I? Read? Oh, it wasn't a book. It was an article." Um, but it had he referenced sources and stuff. It was a good article. Come on, guys. It's just as good as Wikipedia. Come it's, on. But, uh, yes. Hey, dude, Easily. man, Wikipedia. It's have you guys ever made a Wikipedia entry? No. I have. I've it's made one. It's crossed my mind. Yeah, I've made one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that bold. For That's like that. writing history. <laughs> yeah, Did hammer time. Wow. No, no, no. I was doing some work on my book and talking about trying to look up dances, like trendy dances, you know, because right now it's like flossing and all that stuff. So what were trendy dances I, in the past? And then you guys remember hammer time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. So that was not on the list of in Wikipedia. Wow. So they let me add it, and they haven't deleted it yet. It wasn't on the list of <laughs> trending dances. Yeah, So you have to ask permission on that? What's no, the, I don't know. I just created an account, and I went in and I yeah, added it. I think it. you just do an account, and... Uh, <laughs> they vet well, it, though, right? They do mm, vet it, ultimately. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. So, but, uh, man, Fortnite's getting sued by everybody right now over dances. Have you noticed that? Oh, really? Anyway, that's another story. I, man, I'm derailing us big time today. <laughs> So we're going to go to our second question, which is what is the main point of emphasis with your all's teams right now? I think uh, for my team on the you know the, the discipleship side, Bible yeah, studies and give us is, some context around Bible what you studies do too. is what our team produces, and so my job is to lead that work. That, that you know, I, the way that I couch it a lot of times is we take. Uh, ideas from the air, and we boil them down into resources. Mm. Obviously, we start with source material. They range from sermon outlines to trade books to just outlines that you know authors that authors have. Right, article BuzzFeed articles. (laughs) 
<laughs> quizzes. That's right. So we've had we've had a run of two or three good years, um, but what what our emphasis is on is innovation. So when you're when you're having success, that's not the time when you sit back and you say, "Hey, look at what we're doing. Mm. Look at what God is doing." It's also when you're not having success, you don't do that either. So you're always pushing forward. And so with currency. I remember taking some business classes when I was an undergraduate and, you know, cash just just in a savings account that's not being used is not the best way to do it. Mm. I think currency that you have in leadership has to be used as well. So our emphasis is on taking what we do and pushing out and uh, looking at the way that we deliver studies and looking at at church practices. You know, obviously mobile technology is one of those things that we have to look hard at. Um, But one of the things I'm learning from like Nimitz is, is patience as well. And so while I would like to see things move really fast, you've got to also be mindful of capacity mm-hmm. and logistics and all of those things. But I think uh, we're looking at innovation first and foremost and um, in just not rushing along with that. And that's yeah. those things would seem to be in opposition of one another okay. because innovate needs to be quickly, but you don't want to move, you don't want to like outkick your coverage, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And just for our listeners, Give us an idea of some of the studies that your team has produced. Because, I mean, four years ago when I was a local pastor, not working at Lifeway, I didn't really know Lifeway existed, believe it or not, up in Canada. Uh, I didn't really look necessarily at the spine of studies. We just were recommended studies. So our church had a lot of Priscilla Shire, Beth Moore, and I didn't realize that was all Lifeway. Uh, But talk to us about the specific studies that your team, you know, some of the ones that you're excited about. So last year, um, Jesus Among Secular Gods by oh, Robbie Zacharias. We did that. We did that in our uh, life group. Fatali my group. Uh, my group did it too. Good for oh, us. So good. It's good. And uh, yeah. they've been they've been so great to work with Daniel and Todd and you know uh, Robbie Zacharias International Ministries has been just an absolutely fantastic partner for us mm. and it continues to do well. Uh, the Book of James, uh, a study on the Book of James by Matt Chandler mm. uh, came out last summer as well. More recently in the fall, the Foundations New Testament. Uh, it's already been a couple of mentions of Robbie, but he and his wife Candy produced that with uh, a couple of other contributors. Uh, I guess the thing that we're uh, excited about coming up this fall is uh, a David Platt resource called Something Needs to Change, and that trade book is not out yet, but it's based on his experiences um, in the Himalaya. And uh, I've read the advanced copy of that, and and it is really, really interesting to Mm. have just to just to get a peek inside of the journey that he's been on. But those are just some examples. Does that mean you get to go to the Himalayas and shoot You know, this? we're working on that. Oh, We dude. do have the video shoot are scheduled you for Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's limited to the helicopter that we've got oh, ready. Yeah. So okay. there's only 10 people that can go. But yeah, yeah, we're always looking for uh, for help there. I saw yeah. an article this morning about crazy business expen- expenses. And one of them, uh, somebody turned in a helicopter ride from their home to their work. And it was like $7,500 or something really? like that. They really had to meet with this client. Todd, you ought to try that. Well, you know Uber does helicopters? Helicopters. Yeah. I saw that. They're, they're yeah, moving, yeah, in certain cities. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, not Uber copter. Yeah, Uber copter. <laughs> yeah. So the Uber food. That'd be amazing. Okay. All Uber right. copter. All right, right. How about you, Chris? I'm in an interesting place in, in, in my life because actually in the job I do here at Lifeway, I don't lead a team. Um, and coming from, you know, several years of being in the church world, an executive pastor and mm. leading teams and sometimes large teams, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been great because I feel like my influence now is, is 
different. So when I go, I do a lot of uh, consulting with churches. Yeah. And I do a lot of training with, you know, discipleship conferences and, and leaders and things like that. Um, so it's more of an example, you know, it, my uh, my experience being in the church world, I'm able to pass it on now to a new generation, to churches that are coming along. Like I just did a uh, multi-site consultation mm. and sat down with a large church that's thinking about going multi-site. And I thought, man, when we first went multi-site in 2002, uh, how great it would have been to have somebody who had done it for years and years and come in and told us all the landmines and and everything that we're going to hit as we start this journey of multi-site, but it just didn't exist back yeah. then. But to be able to kind of go and do that now, and and if nothing else, be an example for what not to do mm. from some of the mistakes that we made. So I feel like the leadership in my life and for the people around me has really changed from more of a directive, you know, I'm your boss, to more of an example and a relationship. And hopefully, you know, maybe sometimes a good influence on, you know, here are some things that you can do next, some things that I've tried that, that have worked and haven't worked. And mm. and so, you know, as I travel and kind of do that, it's just a different type of leadership that I didn't have until about three years ago. Yeah, this is, I'm, this is great that you're talking about this because for every leader, there's a point in time, especially if you think of the Peter principle where um, in a sense, you're kind of promoted to your level of incompetence. And I'm yeah. not saying that that's why you're not in management, Chris. That's definitely what happened. <laughs> no, but the reason I bring this up is uh, there's a there's a point in every leader's journey or in in their seasons where they need to decide am I am I better as you know be working in the church or working on the church or working in the work or on the work right am I more that contri- you know I want to be the specialist going deeper and really be an expert around this uh, you know, in, in doing the work or am I going to generalize and move more toward management? And that's something that as we all get older, there's a, there, there almost seems to be a, a point where we need to decide which way are we going to go further down the road on? Where are you at on that right now? Yeah, I, I think that's a good question to ask yourself. And I don't know that it's I'm better at working on it than in it, but it's better for me in this season. Yeah, okay. Um, this season of life, I, I question a lot of times when there's people that are working on the ministry that have never spent time really in the ministry. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you've never done it and you talk about it. And so I'm thankful that I had all of those years to be in the ministry, mm-hmm. experience a lot of amazing churches and, and leaders and movements really, you know, as I look back, but now I can kind of invest in, in like you said, work on the ministry and come alongside other leaders. It's just a different season. I don't know if I'm better at it or not, you know, who knows, but I, it's definitely better for this season. That's good. That's good. Well, for our next question, uh, let's let's try to identify one thing for each of you. What's one thing that you absolutely must do daily, aside from reading the word, aside from spending time with God, and what benefit does it have for your life and leadership? All right, I'll go, Chris. Go, Brian. I will say. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna break the rule. Prioritize my day. I've learned over the last, it's been relatively recent, you know, it's, it's just things move so fast. So mm-hmm. I invested in the Michael Hyatt Full Focus Planner. I don't know okay. if anybody else here uses that. And uh, it's a good system for prioritizing the day and moving tasks over and just organizing. But the other thing that I found has to happen is a is some sort of 
exercise regimen first thing in the morning or okay. very quickly in the morning. And it just gets blood going and just it's amazing the days that I skip that. Mm. It's just things just don't go quite as well. Yeah. It's more of a it's I wouldn't say lethargic, but I've read that even if you do something even moderate to get just a moderate heart rate going early in the morning, that it changes even metabol. You know. Oh, really? Yeah, everything throughout okay. the day. So, so those are just a couple of things that I would that I've found that that I have to do. And if yeah. I don't, it there is a there is a consequence. So what does that look like then uh, on a daily basis? Like, is it are you saying is that as short as just climbing the stairs, or is it get your workout gear on? I mean, what That's does that a good look like? Question. So. Pilates is one of the things I do as I've gotten okay. older just to get, and that's moderate. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, like a trade in there. Like, for instance, I would not do that in front of you guys. <laughs> I, I do it in front of just by myself and the dog. I did not yeah. say anything about Pilates. And it's <laughs> killing me right now. <laughs> he did uh, give us all the look, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's hey, coming. He didn't. No, Who's going to do it? Hey, man. Jump? Did you pick up he my hesitation, say, though? He didn't say Zumba. <laughs> He didn't say Zumba. Let's just give or him hot that. yoga. Yes, both would have been <laughs> lower on some scale or yeah. any kind of. Todd yoga. has talked about goat yoga quite a bit. But he the other thing is, I just do a six-minute round on a punching bag. Oh, okay, all right. Mm. And those are things. Those both of those things are. <laughs> it <Chris>. changes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but together, both of those things are 15 minutes. Okay, So yeah. it doesn't take much. You know, you don't have to run That's three good. miles or do 1,000 yeah. push-ups. That's why I'm liking the HIIT workouts, the high-intensity interval training ones, because then it's like 15, 20 minutes. I'm trying to do it more often, but it's just... So yeah, I've had it's, friends it's really disciplined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had friends try to get me into the whole CrossFit thing because mm. they're like, man, 12 minutes. And I'm like, but you throw up after 12 minutes. <laughs> and I'm just not interested in throwing up after my workout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just drink a rock star. <laughs> and you realize on the, the same his results. jeans from Kentucky. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. That's awesome. All right. Chris, how about you? Yeah. I was going to say spend time with Brian, <laughs> but since he doesn't feel the same. A, yes, yeah, that would have been really he, awkward we if you went first. I know, we, we really should have. Um, no, I'm actually going to do two. I'm just going to do one real quick because I, I echo the gym one. Uh, that's become something for me, seriously, in the last like year, year and a half. And I, I've gotten into strength training, which I've never done in my life. Before it was mostly you know the treadmill and, and aerobic stuff. But uh, strength training has, I guess as I get older, mm. um, has become more important for me. So that's, that's you need that a big old deal. man strength building. Up. Old man strength. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Old man strength. New term. Yeah. Um, you know, you're almost 40, right? <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. Mid thirties for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but also it kicks off my day, you know, when I hit the gym at six in the morning, it just kind of gets everything going. But you know, this is kind of a funny one, but it's been a big deal for me is I didn't really have a hobby like a steady hobby that I did. I mean, I ride motorcycles, but that's kind of an, a solitary thing. Mm. You know, it's hard to take people with you on. So something I've gotten into in the last really couple of years is cooking. And it, you know, when I come home, it's, it's hard for me to decompress. I'm still kind of in the mindset of work. And so that kind of bleeds over. And so I found that when I get home and I start cooking and it involves my wife, she loves it. We do it together in the kitchen, you know, and it, it's kind of like our couch time. You know, they say to go home and sit down with your wife and 
send the kids off. That's our couch time as we go in the kitchen and we cook. Okay. And so I've gotten into it and I, I'm, I'm a tech guy. So any kind of gadget that I can possibly buy that I feel you know, is fun for cooking. I'll do it. So, so sous vide. I've got sous vide. Yeah. I am addicted to sous vide. Very nice. Um, uh, the next thing I want to get is one of those uh, fry cookers. Yeah. That's uh, oil. You know, you don't use oil. I'm going to get one of those. Those air fryers. You know, so, oh yeah, 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 the one that yeah. spins. Yeah, that spins. Yeah, and, yeah. and you do all that. Um, something with fry in it. That's more what we would understand. Like, that sounds good. <laughs> like, does it help me get a burger or French fries? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much his qualification. Feel better about eating French fries. <laughs> Okay. So that's, that's a daily thing is I actually, awesome. I cook and it's a creative outlet too. It's mm. just fun. That is fun. And you, do you still have kids at home? Uh, I have, yeah, I have one. She's 15, sophomore in high school. And then one that's a sophomore at the university of South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Well, my wife read this book. Um, it was this American family that moved to France for a bit and tried to learn what it was like to raise a family there. And it was fascinating because that family realized that in French food was the center of everything for them mm. in the fact that where the kids would just naturally help. So for Christina and I, we've been trying once a month, once every other month to have it where the kids would actually decide, let's do a three course meal. You decide exactly what we want. Let's go out, buy the groceries, have them feel it, have them be a part of that entire process and do it together. Mm. So they've been asking, I mean, they want to do it more frequently than, than we've been able to, but our, like our, our first dessert was like pate choux, like, like cream puff. Mm. Right. It was the simple kids version of it, <laughs> but still we made it and they were like, we made that. And it was such a cool experience where it wasn't like finish dinner, go watch TV or finish dinner and go play a game. It was just like two to three hours in the kitchen all together cooking and eating. So that's yeah, cool. Daniel is, is I've gotten older and you know, the kids are peeling away from the house, you know, the just, I need things. I need, I need to manufacture focus. And cooking is one of those things that we've found as mm -hmm. well. That is a great discipline. And it's just, it helps keep your mind engaged. It's also good social time with, true. with the family, even if you don't have children, but certainly if you do, same, same principle. Well, you guys have good. talked a lot about family. So I think it's appropriate to ask our fourth question. What does leadership in your home look like? Ooh, that was a good transition. I like that, yeah. That was nice. We should pick up tips on how to transition. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I see me. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Uh, you know, for me, it's also been a unique season because I haven't been on a church staff for three years after 24 straight years of being on a church staff. So you don't look that old. I know. I was joking about the old man's strength. Which Have you looked at the back of my head? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where it's, although I started going bald when I was like 25. So this is depressing. But um, yeah, being not being on a, a church staff has created a new kind of spiritual leadership with my family. Hmm. Um, and I think some people are able to balance the whole church staff thing better than I probably did when it came to leading your family, because I threw, especially in my 20s and 30s, I threw so much into the church and kind of being a good leader in the church that I wasn't always a great leader at home mm -hmm. for my family. But now, honestly, uh, being able to, you know, just simple things like attend church with my family, like we get in the car, we, we go to church, we attend, and then 
leave together, get in the car, say, you know, what did you think about that message? What mm-hmm. did you think that about that passage that we talked about? And, and do it over lunch and continue the conversation um, has been a, really an awakening for me on what really we've missed over the last 20, 23, 24 years. And not saying that I forsake my family and, you know, I, I, they're great, but it's added another level. No, it's good. I think of leadership or uh, spiritual leadership conversations in our family that we just didn't have before when it was full-time ministry. How do you, as a former executive pastor, go to church and not examine everything it's that goes on. hard it's hard because that's why you just said that and i'm like that's not my i could never do that because everywhere i go i'm constantly yep you know what helps honestly is i do consulting with a group and that's part of what i do is i go and i do a secret shopper right and like that's my outlet for that executive pastor criticism mm. you know I, I do that and actually do a report and all of that but when i attend my church you can't completely shut it off because I see things. It's just, it's always going to be there, mm-hmm. but I'm able to kind of shut that down and worship instead of have that executive pastor eye. But yeah. That's good. You sh- you should do some s- secret shopping. Uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not paid to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Okay. 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 How about you, Brian? Nothing that would surprise anybody. Um, Modeling, modeling is big. So uh, we well, didn't. You are a good looking man. That is, that is true. <laughs> I, mean, um, I thought you were talking about his hands, hand modeling. Yeah, he's a hand model. <laughs> I could do that. I've been a hand model for one of our resources, but that also is another show. Nice. Did you have to wax your fingers? No. No, they wanted No, them. they had to pretend like I had tattoos. Oh. They had love and hate on them. <laughs> Just to make a point. So Hold fast. One of, that's right. <laughs> one of the things we did was my oldest daughter and I would run together, and uh, I would use that time just to talk about my devotional life and what I felt like God was revealing to me because there's, there's no time when your child is more hostage than in that, <laughs> than in that moment because uh, she's, you know, She's got to keep up. Yeah. Um, I can, I can, well, I can't match her pace, pace anymore. Um, we uh, do a lot of like invitations to conversations like mm. cooking, like we mentioned earlier. I think it was in Andy Crouch's book that he said that at, after seven minutes, the conversations turn and someone mm. will risk, right? And, and move it to a more, you know, something more meaningful. And so cooking is usually more than seven minutes. So you good. can get there. Um, but I, I want to be faithful to the morning routines of Bible study and prayer. Mm. And children and, and even spouses, they see that every day. Then that's an example of modeling in addition to Todd's earlier reference. You know, So there's just some things that I feel like, I just feel like you've got to be consistent uh, in terms of leadership in the home. And uh, we tried to be very invitational with the conversations, you know, use time in the car, mm. uh, always look for those 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 on ramps and those entry points. That's good. Now, Brian, how old are your kids? 24 and 20. Okay. So let me ask you a question about that because for our kids, um, I mean, we had been up till this point, I have a nine, seven and four year old. So especially with my nine and seven year old, we had been for the last, since the summer, been going back and forth between Bible storybooks to devotions. And they went to Century Kid Camp um, and they brought a devotional home and we would go through that. And it was a little bit more intentional, but still, and then we went to the full text Bible and they were getting a little bored. So we went back to Bible storybooks. So Christina for Christmas, and I know it's past Christmas now, but 
uh, she bought our kids the Kids Read Truth uh, at the, at the Lifeway store, there's like these, it's really beautiful. And every day there's a scripture and an activity and all that stuff. And we bought them coloring Bibles too, to try to encourage them. Yes, we're still going to do devotions together before bedtime, but to try to help them develop the habit of individually spending time with the Lord. So how do you, how, how do you do that when your kids are younger and at home? Man, I'm telling you, well, so modeling, modeling that they ultimately, and Chris, Chris has children a little bit older too, but you're, your kids really want they they're going to do what you do. Mm. They're going to model what you do. So if you're doing it, they're going to want to do it. You do have to be patient and give them time, but they yeah. will want they want they will want to be when they start thinking about what it's like to be an adult. Mm. Mom and dad should be the go-to for that answer. Yeah. Okay. So in terms now earlier I I don't know about you guys, Chris, but we had a hard time finding effective family devotionals. There was one that we use. I can't remember the name of it that was really good when they were young, but um, we that was the only one that I can remember finding. So we used one-on-one conversations and family talks over dinner a okay. lot. Oh, okay. And working here and being engaged in the content like I am all the time, and you know, my wife, you guys know, she works for student publishing, so we always had new things to talk about. And okay. so we had, you know, that's that's different from a lot of people I realize, but I think everyone has access to the same Bible, right? So just use what you know and just be consistent again, you know, and and, and make habits, make family habits that mm. will follow them along. And that's, that's work for us through college even. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So our last question is one of my favorites, and it's what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You got this one? I can go if you... (laughs) I've got some... I've got answers. For me, I was thinking about this, and uh, a line that my my brother uses a lot is, bloom where you're planted. Hmm. And that was tough for me in my twenties, even 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 into my thirties, because I was always always felt like I was chasing whatever was next, whether it was the next title or the next you know whatever it was. And I spent a lot of time kind of being angry that people weren't noticing enough and kind of touting me mm-hmm. that I needed to tout myself and. And, you know, if I was to look back, Augustine said that, um, that you can't be a, no one can be a good bishop if they love the title, but not the task. Mm. And so, you know, I, I was always chasing, I'm a competitive person by nature. I was talking about this to my wife the other day. And, and so everything's a competition. My kids, I never let them beat me in games. It's an awful thing, but I I can't do it. It's just not in my nature. Um, You know, my dad never let me beat him in anything. And I remember the first game I beat him in basketball. He quit playing basketball with me. Really? Yes. It's just, it's horrible, but that's just who we are as, as a family in Surratt's. And so that in the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> did he? I'm surprised he didn't like puncture the ball. <laughs> Tree lost. Well, I, I was playing, no one's playing ever right. again. I will say we were playing <laughs> no a fa- family game one time. We had a bunch of cousins, and we were uh, it was a Christmas thing or something. And we were playing, and one of my cousins got so mad during the game. He had brought the basketball that he said, "I'm leaving, and I'm taking my ball with me." <laughs> and he honestly left with the basketball. So that's Surratt's. We're, we're horrible. <laughs> so, but that followed me through my ministry career and everything mm. I did is I just, it was a competition and I was striving to, to get to the next and hope 
the people would notice me and, and push me in really that just bloom or you're planted, yeah. do what you're doing to the best that you can. And God will notice, God will promote you. So, you know, someone will notice you don't have to do it. It's not by your effort. And so just love what you do, do it to the best you can. And, you know, God will take care of the rest. I love that. So, so I would say um, the first one has not been hard for me, and that's never be um, never be the smartest guy in the room, mm. and uh, that you know that's in posture as much as anything. And um, I think the the end game there is to listen and be aware. Everyone's bringing their own story into the life, and you can you can pick up something from everyone that's going to be beneficial. And likewise, they'll be able to pick up something f- from you. So be a participant. Uh, secondly, I would say be a collector of experiences, mm-hmm. um, you know, push life and the life experiences as much as you can. And someday that will that will be a really good thing for you. Um, I always thought journaling and keeping a written record of where you've been is a good thing. And if you start that early enough, that will pay off. And it kind of lends into that number two or plays into that number two with being a collector of experiences. And then lastly, I'd say you know, don't fear failure. I think when you're coming out of high school and college and, and coming into life, you know, I've read some biographies on Walt Disney and he was, I think he had filed bankruptcy three times before he was 23 or 24 wow. years old. And not that that's, commendable. Hmm. But what I think what happened to Walt Disney was he no longer feared failure. He he lost a lot early in life and he I think his attitude moving forward was if that's the worst they can do to me, I'm moving forward and I'm going to try and make it happen. Hmm. So I would say just go do what God has called you to do. And don't, you know, to some extent don't worry about the consequences because it's probably not as bad as what you think it's going to be. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Chris and Brian, for being on the show. They are the co-hosts of the Group Answers podcast, part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. Uh, I I love the new segments that you guys have added since joining the network where you rank discipleship books and uh, the great great interviews that you've had with guests like Trulia Newbell and, and talking about how do you deal with difficult people. So if you lead a life group, if you have group leaders within your church, send them over to this podcast. Uh, Have them listen to it, even discuss it with all your leaders together because it's a free and very valuable resource for you and your church. You can just look up Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Well, thanks again, and we'll catch you guys next time.